0: are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your
1: You're
2: This is a capital.
1: We
3: have a little problem with our books, So we may experience some slight turbulence, and it's I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cowboy, would you? What is this place? It's a free show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Classic. This is episode eighteen, and I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herdside. and hello, I'm Miles McLaughlin. Now, for those of you joining us for the first time in this classic moment. What we do is we basically take interviews that we've aired maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. a year ago, and we we strip out all the news and we say, you know what, the news dates itself real fast, but these interviews, they're forever. True, very true. Basically, mm-hmm. and tonight we have a very special interview with with a very special lady, Miles. Why don't you introduce her, uh,
2: Miss uh, Chase Masterson? Uh, she played. Uh best known as playing Lita uh, on um, Star Trek T space 9 but she also uh, produced um, the the indie flick
3: um, yesterday was a lie yeah with James Kerwin right right and I think we just had her on James wasn't on this call was he
2: uh, he was they, they were both promoting their new project yeah oh, you yes, RUR. He was. yes. Mm-hmm. well no, that was the most recent one we oh. had her on twice I think she was just her you're, the you're first correct time. I, I'm, I'm yeah you're, you're correct it, it was just her and uh, we, we also need to say uh, um, uh, Chris Pike from Subspace Comms joined us. Right, in Chase.
3: Chris Wood was with us as mm-hmm. well, and uh, and had a chance to sit down and interview her as well. We just had a good time. We had Chase a is one of the best, and one of the best ladies you ever meet. Um,
2: she's still a lovely lady. After you know, it's been Deep Space Nine's been off the air for a few years, but she
3: looks like she hasn't aged a day. Yep, yep, as all those beauty treatments. Yeah, or It there. works, but you know what? Uh, i have not seen her in Deep Space Nine yet. Oh, so I well again I. Almost through season two. Okay, and so when does she come in, season three or four? Yeah, you'll see her in season three. Yep. Okay, well then I'm looking forward. To it. Mm-hmm. Now I do have a question. You can choose not the answer. Do the ax a character off for her to make for her to come in as a character? No, they do not. They not. So all the characters remain. They just add her in. They just add her in, yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, we hope you enjoy our interview. This is interview we did. This is awful. Of yesterday about her work on Star Trek, but also yesterday was a lie. Yep. And uh, we hope you enjoy our interview with the lovely, the pneumatic, Chase Masterson.
1: Excuse me. Uh, You're Dr. Bashir, aren't you? That's right. I'm Lita. I've been meaning to come by the infirmary to see you.
0: Oh, dear. How long have you had that cough?
1: (sighs) A few days now.
0: May I? Cough for me. Serious doctor no, but it's a good thing you came to me when you did we need to start your treatment immediately Bring me a finale and toddy very hot Make that too. I'm feeling a bit of a cough coming on myself I'm sorry to hear that doctor. Oh, please Call me Julian. Hi
1: I'm Jadzia Lita
0: Before I forget is that immunological
3: data you asked for? How nice of you to put it together for me so quickly. I, uh,
1: I think
0: I'll go over
2: it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I'm very excited to introduce our guest to you. I'm a huge fan of this lady and her work. We were talking with the lovely Ms. Chase Masterson, who's been named one of the 50 Sexiest Women by Femme Fatale's magazine. And on a TV Guide online reader's poll, she was voted favorite science fiction actress on television and aol named her the 10 sexist aliens in history her work has included guest roles on such popular shows such as er and sliders and has lent her voice talents to the animated movie Robotech: the shadow chronicles what some of you may not know is that ms masterson also is a talented recording artist and a producer which we'll talk about later however you the fans probably best Ms. Masterson, the vivacious and adorable Leah from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Not only that, but she's done her part in supporting our troops overseas by taking part in the USA USO tours and helping out in our own country as well. Ms. Masterson, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.
1: Wow, you guys, thank you. Thank you so much, Miles. That was such a nice intro. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: Yeah. Oh, I'm delighted to talk to you
1: yeah thank you likewise congrats on all that you guys are doing it looks like a, a great thing you've got going
3: uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of fun doing it a lot of fun doing
1: yeah. it. yeah um, cool i can tell that's great
3: yeah so uh we, had, we were kind of mentioning just before we started recording here that that you had done some work uh, at least a little bit of work in some fan run uh movies television episodes that sort of thing and even though it's not been a huge focus but why don't we start there just a little bit tell us a little bit about what you've done regarding that it
1: was it was particularly fun in terms of you know the the fan spectrum it was fun working on star trek of gods and men it was you know basically a professional slash fan production which means that the fans funded it and they um and they were the crew and to Part in various aspects of the productions, but it uh, it was directed by Tim Russ, who of course played Tuvok on Voyager, and it was written by um, one of the writers was Jack Trevino, who's one of my favorite Trek writers. He wrote Little Green Men and a few other episodes, and and uh, it was fun. It, Michelle and Walter were the leads in the in the film, and it was um, featuring Tim and Garrett and. J. G. Hertzler and a whole bunch of us, and you know, I think the the most the most the biggest reason that it was so much fun was that it did have the incredible fan spirit, the phenomenal energy that the fans bring to everything that, that you guys do, and then it had a lot of really great, um, you know, it had professional backing. Um right. Doug Knapp, who was uh, who ran the camera for Voyager, was the DP, and it was a really Fun thing it was a very difficult production to do. It was low budget and um, you know all of that, but it still had that fan spirit, which is something that I really respect and right. yeah
2: very cool would you be uh, would you be open to doing something like that again if um, if the right
1: thing came your way? Oh you know it 's difficult to say um, I, I I really respect what the fans do in terms of their creativity and all of that a lot of times it's difficult to block out time for that because sure. there's other things that pull at us and and all of that I mean if if I if I didn't um I, I still want to let you guys know how much I respect the fact that you right. guys do because you know the fan spirit with the genre entertainment is more potent than I think in any other field and any other genre you just don't find that and so yeah. I don't know. I mean I would it's, agree with I, that. It, when we see it as actors, even if we're, you know, just watching and not participating, we're always heartened and impressed by how much you guys love this genre and that's part of why we love it.
3: Right. Cool. I, I also uh saw, saw that you were part of the Starship Farragut animated episodes, giving voiceover mm-hmm. talent for that. Was that your other yeah. was that your other fan one that you were thinking about?
1: no. Uh Starship Farragut was the only other one that I've done and, and uh also that was um, largely because Jack Trevino brought me on, and um, he's such a wonderful writer, and the script really resonated with me. And I, in turn, brought Tim Ress onto that one and also um, Vic Mignogna, who's a wonderful actor who's uh, at the top of the anime voiceover world. And, uh, you know, that was a fun thing to do. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. I, I I've heard it's really lovely, though.
3: Yeah, it's uh and uh, you can find them on YouTube, but they're excellent. They do a it's definitely it they're beautifully done in the style of the old the the nineteen seventies Trek. Uh, yeah, that's what I hear. So they do they do it I- justice. So we were,
2: the, uh, uh, we were at the Shore Leave convention. Well, we were at the Shore convention this last weekend, and uh, Starship the, the Starship Farragut group was there, and, and they had a chance to have a room where they they could they can show uh, some of their stuff, and so they they, they showed that, and that was uh, um,
3: the fans really liked that. Oh, that's great! Yeah, mm-hmm. they're yeah. they're doing some cool stuff lately. Yeah, Well, go ahead, oh, yeah. Miles. Uh, uh, take us into some of the questions. I know that the, the fan wasn't necessarily the uh, direction we were going to take the early interview, but that's
2: right. Well, we we we, we know you from your playing Lita in D Space Nine. How did you get that role? You know,
1: it's a funny story. I had. Um made it a point to meet the casting director for star trek because i knew that it was a really quality show that the stories were very strong and that it would be a great entrance into this genre world and i knew that um because the fans were so faithful that that would be um for one thing it would be a a neat career move and also um i was just i was just impressed by you know Everything that I knew about the genre, the combination of storyline and, as I've said, the fan response, was something I really wanted to be a part of. So um, I paid $30 to meet the casting director at that time, Ron Serma, at a pay-to-meet showcase. And that's where you basically just go in and you audition. a Cold reading, they hand out sides, and you you know, get to do your work for them. And sometimes you hear from them, but most often you don't. Well, um, I got called in for one other role. And um, I didn't get that. But as I heard, off of that other audition, they wrote the role of Lita for me. Um, I Bear told me that when we were in the, um, I guess, the fifth season. He he uh, he let me know that that's basically what happened. Um, so it was a real honor. I mean, to be on a show like Star Trek at all, you know, to be part of that legacy is, is huge. And it's kind of a neat way to get in.
3: Right, and uh, it, gave you, it gave you pretty steady employment for about five seasons, right?
1: I was on the last five seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very
3: cool. And that, and that, cool. sh- and Miles. How, how, how long did? I, and I guess Chase, you can answer this too. How long did the? How long was Deep Space Nine running? Uh, seven seasons. Seven seasons. So the last half yeah. of that. Very cool. It could have
1: run longer, but Ira Bear made a, a wise decision to pull the show. Um, the network definitely would have had it on longer. Um, when we went off our out of production, we were the number one syndicated show in the world. Uh, I'm sorry, in the United States of males between the demographics uh, ages of 17 and 34. Okay. So,
0: <laughs> you know, also not to not to butt in here, but <clears throat> uh, DS9 leaving on. The seventh season was much like Next Gen. You guys left on the perfect high note. Um, no, it was a perfect high note, um, perfect story arc, uh, you know, great shows, great casting, great writing. It didn't actually have a time to, you know, go into any kind of lull. So it was actually really good timing uh, for, for the, the send-off for guest 9
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a very courageous choice to quit while you're ahead. And, you know, in this industry, nobody ever knows what is going to really happen next. And if your next show is going to be as popular, um, you know, there's just no guarantees. So when you make a decision like that, um, it comes at great risk. And yet Ira was, I guess, you know, he was just really wanting to make sure that this show did not fade to black, but that they left the audience still wanting more, where the storylines were still extremely pertinent. And um, we think that, you know, as painful as it was to see the show end, we were all very sad. Um we all had different projects to go on to, but it was still sad. Um, We feel like Ira made the right decision and Rick, of course. And, you know, it's a beautiful seven season package.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it was really a gutsy move on his part. I'm sure that with the network wanting you guys to come back, um, it could have been very lucrative, but yeah, it takes a lot of guts to do something like that.
1: I think so, definitely. And and Michael Tiller I have to also include on this conversation. I mean, he was just such an amazing writer, such an amazing man. God rest his soul. And, you know, that team was so special. Teams like that don't happen very often in, in the entire history of television, I think, when you think about the writers that came out of the Deep Space Nine writing cast. Um, I, I, I talk about this a lot, but I have to say it. Ron Warren, Renee Echeveria, and... Um, obviously Ira and Hans Beimler and um Robert Hewitt Wolf and uh, Bradley Thompson and David Weddle um just you know incredible people and incredible writers and they've gone on to write you know arguably some of the best shows on television in history so it's you know a pretty neat legacy.
2: Hmm. what i liked about deep space nine was also that it was a strong ensemble effort um i mean i love all all things star trek but most of a lot of it is you know there is the the big three or you know it's centered on one person but on deep space nine it was definitely a strong ensemble effort and even those you know the supporting characters played a huge role and even stood out um in in contributing to the, uh, the show's success i thought
1: I I think so, too. I really agree. You know, Deep Space Nine was one of the first, or if not the first, um, real episodic hour show of its kind. And, you know, um, a lot of shows that, you know, had an ongoing storyline really at all didn't have anything as intricate as deep space line where the writers trusted the audience to come back week to week and i think the fans appreciated that they they were able to really chew on the storyline and think about it over the course of the week and turn next week but that places a lot of faith in your audience and you know for that reason and and what you just addressed this show was extremely unique um in that there are recurring characters in the world and in our lives. And it's so nice to see the world fleshed out in the way that they had it in deep space nine, instead of just following five or seven series regulars around, you know?
3: Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that, uh, I think that that's been, that was kind of a departure for star Trek at that point. I mean, next gen, the original series at that point, were all very, you know, you could watch an episode and come back five weeks later and watch another episode, and you won't really have missed much in the storyline. And you really couldn't do that with Steep Space Nine.
1: Right, right. Yeah. It, it was definitely a risky choice on their part, but right. it worked. And I think it's one of the reasons that many, many fans say that deep space nine is their favorite star trek and and i'm just repeating what i've heard now right. a lot of the, you know the different shows you know all have their people that that say that about them but we've heard that a lot and i think it's because of the depths and if you you can't have depth in science fiction where can you have it i, I think know. that's partly why you guys are so enthusiastic because it speaks to your hearts and right. um yeah it's it's pretty neat when that can happen in entertainment.
3: Yeah, we were sitting down with um, this weekend. We got a chance to sit down with Edward James Olmos, Alamos, uh from uh, Battlestar, and he he made the same comment that science fiction at its at its best is is really you know really addresses deep issues of humanity, and I think that's one of the things that Deep Space Nine did. Yeah,
1: definitely. So definitely, it's a real honor to be a part of that because yeah. I think that the privilege of speaking to an audience's heart is by far the best thing about being in this business, other than possibly the work that you do off camera, off the lot, you know, which is reaching out to the world around you in, in real concrete, tangible ways. Right. When you get to be, you know, part of a show that makes you contemplate, you know, war and peace, like Deep Space Minded and Family and IDIC and all of those great great issues subjects it it it's it's work that matters and as an actor you don't always have that privilege Mm. a lot of times you just get put on a show and frankly you know you're you're happy to work at all because this business is so competitive right so that was really the best of all possible worlds
0: Mm. i know for myself uh oh go go ahead chris I was just just oh, going to say what made uh, Deep Space Nine so special for me. Um, you know, it had some of the most uh, emotionally exhilarating and emotionally draining episodes in the history of Star Trek. Just to be able to play that gambit, and then have episodes that didn't necessarily take themselves too seriously, like Little Green Men, uh, some of right. the Vic Fontaine episodes. Um, yeah, it made Deep Space Nine. And really special for me and uh, really enjoyable to watch. Something that I also like, bringing on uh, your character, Lita, uh, it also, uh, you know, we got to see uh, more Bajorans uh, in, in a different light than than Kira. But also it helped grow the Ferengi characters with Rom and, and Lita and Rom's uh, marriage and relationship and uh, the relationship with Nog. And, it, you know, it just... Deep Space Nine for me is my favorite. It hasn't always been my favorite. Uh, I grew up watching the original series in syndication uh, and then Next Gen first run. Uh, but Deep Space Nine, after watching you know several episodes, it quickly became my favorite. So
1: that's so nice to hear. It, it it did touch on so many different aspects of humanity, and I think that you know again those writers they are great people, so they can write from their hearts. They can write both incredibly poignant drama and really fun comedy um i i I loved playing lita in in a lot of ways and and yet i i will say I've, i've lately gone on record as saying i i do wish that there had been more of a a fleshed out experience to, to who Lita was. I know that they brought her on to be comic relief and that she was fun and funny and silly and, you know, it was all very kind of broad and plastic with the Ferengi and that that kind of comedy would never fly these days in, in terms of science fiction because the world of, the genre world is so much grittier now that we've had Battlestar that, you know, the zeitgeist of our culture is, it's just, I think, a lot grittier than it was 15 years ago. Um Right. But I, you know, so, so I I do wish that there had been more of a um, more of an out, uh, outer strength, more of an external um, edge to Lita. Um, but but I do agree that it was you know a lot of really neat, very Star Trek storylines that Lita got to to play with. You know, um, marrying the you know, scary guy, even though he was the kid runt underdog brother who everyone made fun of, and, um, you know, Lita drops the beautiful British doctor in order to be with Rom. That's a very Star Trek choice because it really is about who someone is on the inside and the potential that they have, which is able to grow under nurturing and love. And I think that's a very Star Trek theme. I was very happy to be a part of things that are that meaningful. To, to
3: the fans, yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that uh, that's just something that Star Trek does real well. It kind of flips those notions and the, the, you know our prejudices, uh, the prejudices that we have, and kind of explores them. And I think that's a yeah. great example of that.
1: It's so true, and it's such a neat way, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it just speaks of, of you know. I think we all have that thing inside of us that. Yearns to be seen for who we really are, and not who we're getting to be in the moment, not who we were in high school, not who the world thinks we are when they see all of our mistakes day to day. But you know, to 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 have the hero brought out in us, and um, it's it's a very Star Trek scene. We all want someone to have that kind of faith in us, and um, I I tend to come from a very spiritual. Um, base in my life, or at least I hope I do, and I, I think that's the, the kind of potential that God sees in us, you know, uh, the beauty of us, not the, you did this wrong and that wrong, but look at you, you are so lovely, like like the song says, God, like like James Darren sang in the final episode of Deep Space Nine, just the way you look tonight, you are lovely, and it's such an important message to be able to tell people. Hmm. I love the way that Star Trek does that.
3: Right, right. The value of the value of the human being. It's interesting that Deep Space
2: Nine was not afraid to deal with spirituality. I think that was one of the first times in Star Trek that it's. Uh, well, I'm not saying the other series didn't deal with it, but it was like this is part of the people's culture. It's what makes them who they are, um, and. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad that they explored that on Deep Space Nine, uh, their, the, the Bajorans' faith and uh, um, how that, how how for for many of them that's what got them through the tough times in their life when they were under the occupation.
1: Yeah, that's who gets me through. <laughs> I know that. You know, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, you're right. I mean. I, I, I much prefer spirituality over religion per se. But yes, it's either one is rarely approached with any degree of success on television. I think one of the only one of the best way to do that is through science fiction because it's allegorical. You don't want to hit people over the head with um, with anything really, with a certain belief system or a set of rules. That's not how I believe it's meant to be. When you're able to have those. The beauty of spirituality and those messages creep up on you and then you go oh okay that's how i can apply it to me right. that's right. pretty cool what are you working on you ever feel like you ate a brick wall and you're never going to get through and you ought to know damn well let it go so i come in here and tip a few wake up with a migraine tomorrow afternoon and try again i meant what kind of drink you're working on But hey, whatever you feel like sharing
2: This notebook you're looking for must be pretty damn
0: important It is This notebook hasn't been seen since the Second World War Nobody knows where it is Somebody
3: knows
1: I was wondering if I could speak with this professor I think you should leave And tell your friends they're not welcome here anymore either Somebody else has been here? What you got there? I keep coming across a term in something I'm investigating, Minestra Eternitatis.
0: Window of eternity. You know, some people believe there are other realities,
3: and every choice we make spawns another.
2: What happened? Choices
1: have consequences, Boyle. You still think there's some formula that could explain all this? No, I'm not crazy. Why
3: do you keep coming back here? Linear time is a myth. You don't live life in order, you just think you do.
1: You're dealing with the tip of something that really isn't comprehensible. You mean experiencing dream time? I mean experiencing regret.
3: Not only do you act, uh, but you also sing, and you uh, took up being a producer. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? You have a couple albums out.
1: Thank you, yes. Um, I'm I'm really excited about uh, what's been happening in music lately, um, particularly in terms of a film that I recently did called Yesterday Was a Lie. Um, it's, it's a beautiful film, and I can touch on my own music later, but I want to say... Uh, i'm so proud of yesterday was a lie it's a film noir sci-fi noir shot in classic black and white which um has won a ton of awards on the festival circuit we won um over a dozen best feature and audience awards we were released theatrically in december um and then released in wide release on e1 which is a great distributor uh in april so we are everywhere the film is you know on uh, Netflix, Blockbuster, Amazon, um, you know, everywhere that you can get a film. And we've received rave reviews. Um, I'm very fond of the film because it's so visionary. It was created by, uh, written and directed by James Kerwin, who is an award-winning writer-director, definitely someone to watch. And um, the film deals with quantum mechanics as a metaphor for human relationships. So... um, all of those things that are touched on in quantum mechanics, um, Schrodinger's cat and reverse causality and, um, the possible multi-world theory and all of these things that you didn't think this Dabo girl was going to be talking to you about tonight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A A lot of very heady concepts are, um, very beautiful, beautifully paralleled into, um, into a character drama and, uh, Basically, a, a story about relationships and um, following one woman as she struggles to reconcile her past with her present. Um, I play a woman that the lead characters encounters. I'm the second lead in the film, and um, I help her on her journey to discover um, the truth about some, some some of her past. And, and um, I love the role I played. It's the role of a jazz singer, and I get to sing four songs in the film. I love singing jazz. I have since I was thirteen years old. Um, golden era jazz has always been my favorite and uh so with this noir, um, I got to do that in this film. Um, the music is gorgeous. If I, I'm not even saying just my vocals, I don't mean that, but the the soundtrack is spectacular. It was um uh composed by Christopher Carter, who this week was nominated for, I think, his sixth Emmy nomination. Um, Yeah, Christopher Carter, um, definitely somebody to look up. Um, We're so proud to have had him on this. Um, The cinematography is incredibly beautiful. It's truly noir in all of its finest. And um, the work is lovely. Uh, Kipley Brown plays the lead. She was in one episode of um, Enterprise. She played Ensign crewman uh, taylor who was in a, a trip episode um uh enterprise the forgotten and uh the male lead is john newton who long ago played superboy you guys might be familiar and since then he's been on melrose place and desperate housewives and um, a whole bunch of other stuff, definitely a familiar face and a wonderful actor. Hmm. And then finally, uh, last but not least, it is the first role out of makeup for Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca in Star Wars, of course. Oh, wow. I didn't know he was Yeah. Yeah. Peter's a friend of mine. He's been a friend since literally my first convention over here is where I met uh, Peter and those guys, and he was just an absolute gem, a saint. Um, he made on this low-budget film about what he makes in signing autographs for maybe an hour. Um, He made on our whole film, but he agreed to do it and was such an amazing, good sport about it. He has a cameo role, um, and it's a silent role, but his amazing face and uh, presence adds a whole lot to this, and I think that Star Wars fans will also appreciate that.
3: Very cool. Uh, And I know that it's available for streaming on Netflix, so that's something
1: I'm definitely... uh, Oh, 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 wait, I have to cut in and say that. Um, I will ask you all, each and every one of you listening right now, just a personal favor, please don't watch it streaming on okay. Netflix. Okay. We're actually trying, we're trying to get that pulled. Um, the reason being that the, there's weird things, artifacts, pixelation, the, the noir, the cinematography does not look good on that streaming. And we've actually had some comments about that online, so if you see any comments about the cinematography, it was likely by someone who uh, had seen it under that. I, I would say really, truly, your your best bet um, well, of course it, it's always nice to own a film and there's some great DVD extras on Yesterday was um, a Lie Can
2: you still rent the DVD?
1: Yeah, you definitely can rent it, I was just going to say. You can rent it from um, well, you can rent it from Netflix and rent it from Blockbuster and, and definitely other places so I would say um, one of those two, if you wanted to pick it up from uh, through Amazon or somewhere else or, or rent it. Much better than streaming on Netflix.
3: Well, very cool. We'll make sure that uh, our listeners know that so they can uh, maybe get a better experience in with it. Obviously.
1: Thank you. So, Thank so, you. And-
3: sorry about that. I didn't mean to mention that. It's just I know that it's available. Oh, no.
1: And I'm sorry to be so adamant about it. It's <laughs> just that's kind of one of our big deals. You know, as a producer, you come to realize that there's a whole lot of things that you need to keep track of with your baby. And so, so wearing my producer's hat, I'll, I'll uh, say check out the trailers. There's two great trailers up at YesterdayWasALie.com. And there's um, a bunch of reviews and production stills and all that stuff that are definitely worth a look.
3: Well, I am looking forward to seeing. It. Uh did any of you guys uh Miles did you, did you uh Miles or Chris? Chris, did you see it?
0: No, I haven't actually. I didn't know that it was available for rent. Um I've been following uh the site for a while because I saw you had mentioned it on uh Twitter, Chase. Um and I've definitely wanted to pick it up uh and check it out, but I honestly didn't know it was available, so it's going to be added to uh to my wish list on Amazon. Um, but uh yeah, the trailers are fantastic and the movie looks great. So
1: Thank you so much. Uh,
2: I, I've seen the trailers, and I, I agree they, they they do look great. Um, I, I will put that on my queue to rent it off Netflix. Uh, um, is that copy still a good copy? You'd recommend?
1: Yeah, yeah, renting it on Netflix is just great, absolutely, and um, you know definitely watch the DVD extras if you if you can do that because it's um, I don't know the 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 science of it is actually it's not incredibly easy, it's not a no-brainer, it's a challenging film. It's a film that requires something of its audience. It it asks more questions than it has answers. But in that... The comment that we've received most is, oh, my gosh, I've got to watch it again. And it's it's not so that they can understand, it, but now it, it it seems to call, come full circle when you've seen the whole thing and then you realize, oh, gosh, this entire time I've been watching a film that's fraught with symbolism and everything means something. And it's, it's pretty rich, I have to say. So, you know, anyway, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts.
3: Yeah, well, definitely. We will. Uh, well, I'm sure that when we uh, watch it, we'll be. We'll have to do a review show. Maybe we should plan that, Chris. Chris and Miles review show on on this film, and maybe we should bring yeah. you back on for that, Chase. Well, anyways, we, oh, can we do love
1: that it. Later. Thank
3: you. Uh, talk a little bit about your singing outside of Yesterday Was Live.
1: Thank you. Um, it's going well. I uh, I headlined at Universal uh, City Walk last summer, and that was really fun. Um, I've been. Um, currently working on uh my new cd which is going to be my first real commercial release um uh it's going to be entitled thrill of the chase uh, which is the title of my first cd which i i'm just basically re- redoing a couple things and re-releasing it um i'm i'm excited about the music i i i don't know i mean it's a, such a great form of expression and uh i i sang a couple songs in robotech too so it's uh a couple of the last projects that I've done I'm, I'm singing in. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah, thank you. We're excited. We're also probably going to have a soundtrack be on yesterday with a Not up to get back to that, but so it's, you know, music is potentially moving forward in a pretty neat way.
3: Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, and so you, you've had some albums out, but there were more, I guess, independent releases then?
1: Yeah, they're more, um, they're more fan oriented, frankly. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that, uh, we've raised lots of money through the, uh, sale of, of these CDs and, um, we usually, uh, donate to charity. Um, or we always donate to charity. What am I saying? Um, so that's kind of been, you know, that MO, but the next one will be, uh, full on out there, you know, in stores, iTunes, etc. Hmm. Yeah. Well,
3: very cool. And, that, and, and they can find that on your site, right? They can find some of that. The information yeah. on his past albums. And the new album, I assume, will be available from that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, go to right. chasemasterson.com and hit music, and I think that transfers you over to chaseclub.com, where my fabulous fan club president, Stompy, will um, be able to assist.
3: Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And it, now the new album that's coming out, is that, uh, again, you mentioned that you're, is that, again, like jazz-oriented?
1: Yeah, it's going to have a little bit of a an edge, though, a little bit more... You know, just more current fun stuff as we're planning it. Um, I'll keep you guys posted, definitely. One of the CDs that, uh, that I'm drawing some tracks from um, was produced by Dave Pell, who is an amazing friend of mine. He's 85 years old. He was the saxophone player for the Rat Pack. and wow. he, Yeah. And um, he also produced Sinatra and Count Basie.
3: And those are some names to have behind
1: you. Say it again. I said, I said,
3: said, said those are some names to have standing behind you.
1: It just, I mean, just uh, uh, doesn't get any better than that. And Dave, Dave brought on a man who has unfortunately since passed away an amazing man and musician, um, pianist, Bob Florence. And he was, um, he, he was the piano for Dean Martin when Dean Martin did his show. And, um, picture on television and he also arranged uh billy may a famed composer said when i want a composer who also arranges i call bob florence and so um you know just getting to work with guys like that
0: what a huge privilege you know right right
3: chris you said um, you had some questions
0: yeah, actually, I was going to talk about um, a uh, short-lived. I guess it wasn't necessarily short-lived because I think you did it for about a year. Um, something that I really used to enjoy, uh, fandom dot com, the oh, interview nice. series you did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask how did uh, how did that come about, and what was the uh, or what were the circumstances behind its its demise? Because I know you had tons of great interviews with lots of Trek stars. Um, you had an interview with Joss Whedon. Uh, Ron d Moore Brandon Braga, uh Robert Beltran, just a lot of really interesting interviews that that not only were about Star Trek but really went into depth um, with the the actors and and directors and producers um, but I was just curious how did you uh, how did you get involved with that
1: thanks for asking you know I was just thinking about that show a few minutes ago, thinking I used to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah they they basically this company creative light which i'd worked for a few times before i think that was like my fifth project with them or something um they produced a film that i did um with maggie grace and we worked on a bunch of stuff through the years together and they called me and said chase call all your friends and have them on a podcast so that's basically what i did i was able to you know just leverage friendships and say you know come on guys be on my show and You know, I guess the science fiction genre world is a pretty small world, and once you start meeting a few people, you meet all the rest. And so it was nice to have all those guys come on and talk in detail. And I I was very clear in wanting it to be an hour show where we could talk talk, not just, so what's your next thing, and how'd you get started? I wanted to talk more in depth. I think that genre fans deserve that. Um, So, yeah, we had a good time with that.
0: Yeah, it was very intimate, too. Which, which I found very interesting.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was probably one of the first times anyway that people could say, oh, she's not just a double girl. <laughs> you know, she can think on her feet. And it was, it was fun in that respect and very nice to hear some big truths coming out of amazing people's minds. It was unfortunately um, ended because uh, Creative Light went out of business. They, they folded Um, But, you know, that company, I I have to say, they did some amazing things while they were running. They did Mind Melt with Shatner and um, Nimoy. Oh, right, yeah. uh, They did Comic Book the Movie. Um, I met Stan Lee through them, and Stan's been a pal ever since. And uh, they did that amazing uh, DVD with Stan and um, Kevin Smith. You know, it's just a tough business.
0: You know, yeah, Mindmeld uh, is actually one of my, uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, documentaries about Shatner Nimoy. It's really, really interesting. I don't know if folks have, have seen it out there. Also, I noticed that uh, you're actually, uh, is it on ChaseMasterson.com or ChaseClub.com where you're hosting uh, the episodes of the fandom so people can go back and re-listen uh, to a lot of the interviews?
1: Oh, really? Gosh, I didn't know. But that that's how thorough Stompy Hollow is about keeping my Chase Club site up. He's got stuff on there that I don't even know about. So maybe. <laughs> maybe.
0: Stuff you don't even know you did.
1: Right. <laughs> mm, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, if anyone's interested, you can find it by Googling Chase Masterson, the fandom. Uh, there's a page there with the list of the, the actors that were interviewed and links to the, the MP3s of the show. But, yeah, I have to say that i i listened to that religiously and you guys also streamed that live right
1: yeah we did we went live and then we were also pretty heavily listened to in archives so i guess we still are right, right.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah really good stuff though If people out there haven't haven't listened to it it's definitely worth a listen so
1: well thank you that's really nice to hear i appreciate that
3: is there anything else that's coming up for you that that you can tell us about going on either through music film or, or tv or whatnot
1: you know, so ironically, I was mentioning this, to Scott, uh, earlier today, um, we have we are like really on the verge of making a big announcement and I wish with all my heart I could talk about it right now but I can't um so that's kind of a big hint to say if you'd like to have uh me or the yesterday's lie bunch back at some point I can say some other things about some stuff that I'm doing I can't say it tonight I literally maybe 24 hours later I could have but right now we're just kind of right on the crux of of that so this there's actually another announcement that's going to be happening regarding yesterday with a lie, also. So maybe that would be a good time if you wanted to have uh, James Kerwin, the director, is a, a, just an incredibly brilliant mind that could be could be a fun guy to talk to if you wanted.
3: Oh, well, yeah. You, you mentioned him, and maybe that's someone that we we can have in the show a little bit later on. Then I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll be in t- I'll keep in touch with you and uh, maybe just get his contact information from you. Then
1: that sounds great, and then I can tell you my big secret.
3: Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to, um, if, if, when you, uh, you said in the next 24 hours or so, maybe yeah. if, if it happens, if it happens before, uh, Thursday, let's say, um, yeah. and, uh, you want to shoot me an email, I'll just do, i I can record a little segment, just telling people about it, or maybe I can find time to just have you call in for about five minutes and we can do a little addendum to the show.
1: Cool. That sounds great. It's. I. I, I just want to insert this. It's not like a big A-list movie role. I'm not about to, uh, you know, play opposite, Tom Cruise or anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um. It's. A, it's actually an internet thing, but it's something that I'm excited about and oh, proud cool. of. So, well, you know what, definitely,
3: that is a genre that's kind of being pushed right now. Webisodes and other TV shows that are coming out just for the web. So.
1: Thanks. I mean, you know. It's it's going to be fun. So yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll I'll let you know as soon as we can break the news.
3: Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's a big thing that's coming. And again, um uh, do you guys have any questions for Chase before we we've taken up a bunch of our time tonight? We appreciate the time you've taken to sit down and chat with us about about your work in Star Trek and and yesterday was a lie and the many other things that you do.
1: Thank uh, you. I have one other thing. If you'd like,
3: I would love to um, hear. Go ahead.
1: Thank you. Well, when you go on to ChaseClub.com and there's just a a zillion pictures, um, a bunch of them are signed, and we do that to raise money for a charity that I really love called Homeboy Industries. And I'll just say real quick, um, I've been mentoring ex-gang members there for about two and a half years and working hands-on with them on a weekly basis, and I've been privileged and just so blessed. I really thank God that I've been able to see into these people's lives. in a way that most people can't um it's been an amazing lesson for me in withholding judgment and seeing the beauty in individuals that uh you know that the rest of the world sometimes says uh oh you know you guys are bad guys and it's um the level of transformation and redemption is just absolutely amazing there I mean they're certainly culpable and responsible for their own choices but they're people who have chosen to make a new path for themselves and are completely making a a very big decision to leave their past behind um, which usually most of them were born into they were born into horrific circumstances and and we're able to help and it's just about it's one of the neatest things in the world to see that happening Um, on a, on a regular basis. So I donate a portion of the proceeds for pictures and CDs to them. And we, we end up doing a really good job and, uh, you know, all of that. So anybody who wants more information on, on homeboy, you can shoot me an email through the website, or you can look up homeboy industries.org. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for helping me. get some
3: And, word uh, out about that. yeah. And, and best yet, they can support it by actually getting on and, uh, and uh supporting you by buying some of those photos
1: thank you or so. you know just support the charity I don't mean for you to have to go through me right it's uh, it's definitely the, the neatest thing about being in this genre um, is being able to point people toward great causes and oh that means uh, just one more if you would go ahead. Um, one other cool thing that's happening in the world of fandom I can't believe I waited this long to to talk about it is uh, trek federation com is a neat group of science fiction Trek fans—it's the largest group of trek fans worldwide—and they've asked me to be their spokesgirl. So I am the face of the federation, and Ooh. I took on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I took that on because I see their hearts, and they are really wanting to band together and do some good things in the world. As as Jean, um, you know, as, as as Jean started the the trend of, you know boldly going into, you know, new, new places. And we we're just trying to do that in this, on this planet and taking on causes that may ordinarily not be, um, you know, really cared about. So that's my personal reason for wanting to get involved with them and, uh, check out, there's an interview up on Trek com, and it's going to, uh, we're talking a little bit about how we're reaching out to the world around us.
3: So I just think it's an awesome, that it's awesome that, you know, that's, that you're you obviously are in love not only with the, the things that the, the charities and the things that you're involved with from that, but you're obviously in love as well with the genre that you've kind of, you know, kind of been a part of, you know, over the years, especially with Star Trek. And you continue to invest in it. And I think that that's kind of cool, too.
1: Thank you so much. So. Well, God has blessed me greatly. And I, I know why he's done that, because I, I'm going to get to give it back and pay it forward. And I think that's what the world is all about, you know. Yeah. yeah love
3: one another uh chris anything else you wanted to ask uh
0: no but uh i'll be seeing you uh in vegas i'm going to the creation uh convention uh, i'll be oh, there representing go. my site it'd be cool to to meet you and talk to you and i i just want to say that uh i know i've heard of lots of interviews uh with you with different sci-fi podcasts different Trek podcasts but it's just super cool that you're so gracious and you come and, and talk to the fans and spend your your uh valuable time with us and i just really appreciate it
1: well, right back to you. Your hearts are beautiful, and I appreciate you having me, you know, having me
0: here. Yeah, and we uh, appreciate
3: you taking time to sit down and chat with us tonight. And, uh, and by all means, uh, if you're interested, you know, we'll watch movie movie, uh, Yesterday was a Lie, and maybe if you're interested, we can bring you on for maybe a short review and a, a short dialogue about the movie. If you're awesome.
1: Interested. Yeah, just let me know and we'd be yeah. happy to come back. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Hey, thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay.